the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Javante, Jacob, Katia, Andrew, Tia, Violet, Dustin, Shahizi, and the Tom Sumner Program. Wash my hands. I don't touch my face I stay at home Shelter in place Social distance Don't go to work I wear a mask and gloves I stay away from church I avoid old folks should I sneeze? I do it in my elbow or up my sleeve. Six feet apart. That is the room. And I pray for the day the kids can go back to school. I'm washing my hands. Like a raccoon with OCD I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC I've taken down all my mirrors And I'm sick of what I see Two more weeks of quarantine Will be the death of me a trip to the grocery store to buy a TV and a few things more but when I get there all I can find 
bonbons and some mad dog wine. I'm washing my hands like a raccoon with OCD. I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC. I've taken down all my mirrors because I'm sick of what I see. So this quarantine's gonna be the death of me. The death of me. You know, they say this is war. But we don't have to storm Omaha Beach or Pork Chop Hill. And we just lay here on the couch and watch TV. Whew, I'd rather volunteer for a high-risk commando raid to parachute into Wuhan and find that little fellow that ordered that bad soup. I know I'm talking out of my head, saying crazy stuff over and over like, yes, dear, yes, dear. At breakfast, I meant to say, honey, please pass me the pepper. Well, what slipped out was, you crazy woman, you've ruined my life. <laughs> of course, I immediately apologized as <laughs> soon as I regained consciousness. Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, this is the Tom Sumner Program. And uh, my guest this hour has been on the show uh, several times talking about different, uh, uh, just sharing useful information about a lot of different things. But as we uh, roll into the uh, chilly winter months, a lot of people in my part of the country especially may be turning to um, generators during power outages and uh there are certain things that you should and shouldn't do. And here to talk about that is the president and CEO of the Outdoor Power Equipment Institute. Boy, that sounds official. Uh, Chris Chris Kaiser is his name. He welcomes or he joins me by phone. Welcome, Chris. Good to have you back. Thank you, Tom. Pleasure to be with you. How many people... Um, and it's funny that this uh, that this comes up that you're sharing this information at this time, because I have sitting on my deck, still in the crate, a generator, and it's it's something that we're we're hoping to get uh, connected and used in the event of power outages, as happened from time to time during, especially during winter storms, as you know. Um, how many people? turn to generators as an alternate power supply well like you i just took mine out yesterday it and my <laughs> snowblower because the key to outdoor power equipment is getting it ready in advance of when you need it making sure and it runs it's tens and tens of millions um what folks have come to realize is they're pretty easy to use as you probably know pretty easy to move around they move like a wheelbarrow um, but they're just critically important, and we're seeing a lot of adverse weather events, whether it's snow and ice or hurricanes or tornadoes. Well, um, even and even strong winds, important. Chris. Uh, you know, I've seen yeah. times where we didn't get a drop of rain or any snow or, you know, it was just, a, you know, a fairly nice day. And then all of a sudden the wind kicks up and power lines go down. The next thing you know, your power's out. Well, and they're lifesavers, really. And they're so easy to use, and they're fairly, you know, as you know, they're fairly easy to operate. And so the key, again, is, and you don't know, and nowadays here um, we get 
weather, you know, we get nor'easter, same thing, wind. Wind will bring down trees that are in wet ground, um, and we're out for days. And so it's an incredibly important thing. That the, the one key message I want to start with is, is just safety. Um, you have to know that these machines cannot be run indoors. They cannot be run in the garage. They can't be run in the breezeway. They can't be run near an open window or door. It's like your car. You wouldn't run your car indoors. It's an engine. Um, and so we just have to drill that down. And one of the key, two things, cords and distance, right? Yeah. Um, if you don't have adequate length outdoor cords, people send, you know, bring those machines closer to the house. You can't do that. And the other thing we find, and you certainly, you know, my family's down in Florida, um, and so oftentimes you'll be without power after a hurricane for a long period of time. It's very easy to spot the house that has power, right? And oftentimes you'll hear the generator. But that house has lights. That means that, machine's become, that machine becomes very valuable as the days go by, and they get stolen. And so people want to anchor them or, or chain them or lock them near the house. And, again, here again, you've got to plan for that in advance so that you can keep those machines a safe distance from the house. What is a reasonable distance? 15 to 20 feet. Um, most manufacturers speak to this you know, directly in their guidance. Uh, even yeah. These machines may look alike, but they're all different sizes and shapes and fuel supplies. Um, so follow your manufacturer's guidance. They'll speak very, very clearly to it and its fuel um, and follow it to the letter. These, again, are lifesavers, but they're dangerous. You can't run them indoors. Now, I have a... a a deck that's approximately 20 by 20 and what I'm hoping to do with mine is set it out in the far corner of the deck um, you know where there's rail around it and you know it isn't as as visible and as easy to get to um, you know as a as a safeguard against theft um, but also trying to maintain that appropriate distance um, but you mentioned that there are a lot of different types and, and sizes. A lot of people think they get a generator and they're going to just plug everything in their, you know, in their house into it. What are the things that people should be doing? How much power do people need? And, and what's the common size and, and how much can people power? Sure. Critical point. Um, now, you can get a very small portable generator. Any times you see, you know, camping or on the boat. Sure. Um, small, 800 watts to 25,000 watts. And so those are obviously at different price points, different sizes. Um, part of it is what do you want to run? So you want to run your heating and cooling system. Well, that draws a significant load. Your refrigerator is going to draw a significant load. It's just to do a handful of plugs, right, to keep your iPhone and your iPad charged um, during these windows, it's much, much less. So you've got to figure out how much load you want to pull, right? Eight 100-watt bulbs is 800 watts. Um, and bear in mind, a refrigerator may take a little more power to start than it will to run. So most electrical appliances, big ones, will have to need a little more juice to start than they will typically to run. But you can figure that out. And again, if you go to a manufacturer's website, they'll help you understand and figure out what you want to run. So if I need 15,000 watt unit, then you'll see them. So if you go to your dealer or your big box store, you'll see them in gradations. And as obviously as you go up in power supply and engine size, um, they'll get more expensive. But you can get them in all different sizes, and you, they're still quite portable. You know, they just get to uh, – the frame may be, become more heavy-duty. Uh, again, they look a little like a wheelbarrow. 
But you have to figure that out. And more importantly, whatever load you're going to power, you'll need cords with a heavy enough gauge to carry that power from the unit to the house. Um, and so those core critical functions, again, you don't want to be looking for this stuff when you need the unit. So if it's dark or the trees are down or the ice is down, this is not the time you want to try to work on getting the snow started or your generator started. So make sure you have – this is when you've got to figure out what kind of – how much gas you need. You've got to prepare – remember, gasoline now has ethanol in it. It will phase separate, so old gas is no good. You've got to have fresh gas. Buy it and burn it. So those are – Critically important is to do that in advance, make sure, you make sure the machine runs in advance. You just don't want to have to deal with that when you need it. And, and in preparation for, you know, a potential power outage, um, is, it, is it safe and wise to keep the generator gassed up? Here's the rub. Um, <laughs> likely, yeah, likely no. Again, what happens to, again, Fuel today, because of government, has ethanol in it. And it has different kind. Con- you want to get the lowest level ethanol. Ethanol is hygroscopic. It'll absorb water and phase separate. Acute in a, in a marine environment, hot, humid environments mostly. But over time, that fuel will stale. It'll become bad gas. Um, and you don't want that in your machine, obviously. And so, like in seasonal stuff, recreation stuff, emergency stuff, when you're done with it, you're going to put it up for the season, run it dry. If you're going to buy gas and keep it for any length of time, buy a stabilizer. It's inexpensive. They sell it at, you know, again, dealers in your big box store. Add it to the gasoline. That'll help that fuel stay married, right? It'll help it stay together. Um, but that's critically important. Again, if you're – the nice thing about ice and snowstorms and hurricanes, you usually get some advanced warning on them. Um, so if, you, if you're expecting a storm, go out and buy some fresh fuel. It's going to be worth the investment. Um, and when the thread is gone, just pour that fuel into the car or pickup truck. Um, but it's best to use fresh fuel. Rule of thumb today is buy it and burn it. Try to buy the fuel you think. In the old days, you know, I'm not a young person. You used to buy 10 gallons of gas, and it could sit in the garage forever. That's just no longer the case. Again, fuel will stale. And, and you mentioned a, a moment or two ago, uh, Chris, that uh, one of the the critical things, of course, especially here in the north where it gets very cold, is if we lose power, um, we lose uh, our uh, heating system. And unlike a refrigerator, there's no plug. How how do you how do you connect up to that? Is that something you should tackle yourself, or should you have? Uh, a pro or an electrician set up. Absolutely, absolutely a pro or electrician. You're going to need a switch box if you're going to connect it to a heavy-duty unit. If you're really going to want to fire up um, a significant heating, cooling, um, HVAC systems, you may want a standby generator, right, a more permanent one that's hardwired into the box. You don't ever want to backfeed your box. Um, now, if you're running, if you have a gas furnace or a boiler that may only have, you know, the, the principal fuel supply is, is gas or fuel oil or propane, and you're simply running a fan, um, that may be different, and you may have an opportunity there to plug something in. It's going to depend on the size of the system, but typically heating cooling systems draw an awful lot of power, and you're going to need an electrician to work that one out. More with Chris Kaiser from the Outdoor Power Equipment Institute straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling authors, photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. 
Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. And the Tom Sumner Program. More with Chris Kaiser from the Outdoor Power Equipment Institute straight ahead. There are a lot of gas appliances. I know we have a, a gas furnace. We also have a gas stove. Why doesn't gas go out when electricity goes out? Different delivery system. So the gas is typically, you know, it's a pipeline, and typically there's a pipeline from the, the street up to the house, buried. Um, it's just a completely different delivery system. Uh, electricity is, is done typically over wires or buried wires, but as it comes into the house, oftentimes you'll see the wiring. So it's typically the loss of the wiring or the loss of the generating, some, the loss of the wiring somewhere between generation and delivery. Um, gas is simply, you know, it's a high-pressure pipeline, um, just two different delivery models. But as you pointed out with the, uh, with the heating system, the fan may go out because it is powered by electricity just as the uh, lighters are on a gas stove. Correct. Um, and so there's, there's the wrinkle. Um, now, again, a, a fan, depending on the size of the fan and its motors, um, may not draw a lot of power. And, again, the, the principal fuel supply gas, diesel, fuel oil, et cetera, those, that's where the energy is. Um, now, again, you're, you may have an opportunity there, but if you're going to do anything, and that's obviously a life-saving sort of situation, anything with your heating and cooling systems relative to a portable generator, you engage an electrician. Again, never backfeed the system where you're trying to plug it into the wall socket. Um, you're going to need a, a junction box uh, is to handle that. Again, typically they're going to advise you if you really want to – generate power for heating and cooling, especially where you are, where it's seriously cold, um, they're going to advise you probably for a standby generator. That's where the unit, you know, the unit sits outside, it's, it's hardwired, and it just automatically kicks on when, it's, when it senses a, the loss of power. And, and now with a system like that, um, is, is that a big expense? Do you have to have a lot of watts and... and uh, how, once like, every, like, like, like the portables, it's going to depend on size and how much power you want to supply. I have a standby, and it's only powering a handful of things in the house. It's just sort of keep the house operating, the refrigerators, some lights, um, one of the uh, three HVACs, one of the HVACs for one part of the house. Um, the bigger the unit, the higher the cost. So these could be a few thousand dollars to twenty thousand uh, dollars, and they'll run off of the hard energy, right? They'll run off of your natural gas. They'll run off of propane. Uh, they'll run off of an energy supply, not electricity. So again, they'll trigger on when the power goes out, um, and they they diagnose themselves. They'll they'll start occasionally to diagnose themselves. Um, 
terrific units, but they're going to be at a higher price point. And typically, people buy them where electricity uh, may fail more often, or you may have more storms or more problems. Right? Um, it is a more it is a higher expense. And um, I, I've, now I've known people who went all out and had a system, uh, you know, a standby system that would kick on when the power went out, but literally um, running the uh, the fuse box for their entire home. How big a system does that have to be? It depends on the size of your house. Um, you know, if you have a, a small house, you know, two bedrooms, bathroom, yeah. uh, 2,000 square feet versus a house that's 20,000 square feet, right? right? So they're very, very significant differences. And, you know, if you're in a temperate climate, if it's are you trying to keep the house if it's you know fifty eight degrees outside or is it twenty degrees below zero? Um, huge differences in power needs. Um, now, any anybody who comes to you know that does that for a living will tell you what you need. If you say, "Look, I want to be able to heat and cool my house," and I live in Minneapolis or Detroit, you're going to need a significant power supply because you probably have significant heating and cooling needs if you want that to you know in the in the dark of winter and the heat of summer. Um, and again, that's going to be a more expensive unit. Um, the portables will give you what you need at the time, probably not heating and cooling unless it's fairly temperate. Um, that portable is a more emergency. It's going to operate lights, plugs, probably you know, maybe your refrigerator, keep your food good, probably a day or two. The standby can run you know, a week. Um, without blinking an eye, remember, because it's pulling on a different fuel supply. Right, right. Because you're going to have to fuel your portable, right? So you're running your portable, and if you're running it 24-7, um, you know, you're going to need to refuel that unit at some point. The nice thing about your standby, remember, it's pulling on a different fuel. How, how is that pulling on a different fuel? It's going to be running on natural gas. Oh, or gotcha, gotcha. So it's going to be hooked up basically to the same system that your um, uh, stove or your furnace is hooked up to. And it'll be hardwired into your electrical box. It's seamless. Again, I have one, um, and you'll see it a big, it's a big switch box affixed to one of my you know, fuse boxes, if you will. And it's seamless. I mean, the power, it's typically not off more than a second, second and a half. And you'll hear the switch, and it comes right on. The, the engine will fire, and the power's on. It's instantaneous. Now... Um, we found something that uh, that we have used for you know very short term power outages for lighting. Um, th- there are light bulbs now that um, that have uh, a battery uh, supply, and they plug into a regular lamp and they stay charged, and then when the power goes out, they come on. Yep. And no, they won't last very long. No, like, but but it is yeah, something in a you short can, term. It is something you can do, and you can you know you can change the bulbs out if you need to, uh, or move from you know light to light. But it's it's a way of of not putting lighting on your power drain. Yep. So well, it helps you get around, right? So it helps yeah. you if you're in the dark and, and the ice is coming down. It may give you light to work with. Um, as you get you know, yourself put together to, to start your generator. Um, the, the, again, with ch- the challenge with anything that's charged or with batteries, stored battery power, 
when it's gone and if you're if the electricity is out you're not recharging um unless you have a portable generator um because that's how you know landscapers today that uh, are using a lot of battery equipment um typically will run a generator on their trailer to power the batteries while they're on one job and the uh, keeps the batteries going but with the uh, with the, the portable generator, which is what most people are going to be able to afford, um, it's it's fairly reasonable to get one that'll keep your refrigerator going, that'll keep you warm um, for as long as you need it to. Yes, the key there is you have to have adequate fuel. Now it's very challenging, I know, because you don't know if the power's going to be out for a day or ten, right? Um, but you're going to have to. Again, the bigger the unit, the larger the engine, the more fuel you'll need. The more you want to power, the more fuel you'll have to have on. So, again, the key to any outdoor power equipment is preparation. And the engine is the lifeblood, whether it's your snow thrower or your portable generator. That's the life of the product. That's the lifeblood. So air, oil, fuel. As long as you have those things prepped and the engine's ready to go, you'll be fine. And they'll run, you know, for days on end. But they won't if you don't have that planned in advance. Um, again, remember, if you're out of power, the gasoline station down the street may be out of power, and you can't get that fuel up. So you're going to have to prep for that, make sure you have that fuel um, in place uh, to, to refuel your engine. Now, let the engine get, if you're going to refuel an engine on a portable generator, let it get cool. So if they run for hours and hours and hours, they're going to get hot. Give them a few minutes to cool down before you refuel before you refuel them that's a good idea how much how much gas are we talking um how big a tank on a, on a portable generator typically and how long will that run for you know you've got here again i just there are dozens of manufacturers and dozens of units um again there's there are portable generators that you can carry like a little suitcase right it's got a little half gallon tank on it right and then there are big big units that go to job sites and uh, you know our houses that are a few gallons um, it's going to depend on what you need. Um, again, it's, all, it's also the, the portable generator will have a di- different engine displacement, right? It's going to have a different engine size depending on how much power you want it to create. Um, so the bigger units will have a bigger fuel tank, and they'll burn more fuel. Now, remember, fuel is heavy. So you've you got right. to bear all that kind of stuff in mind. Um, so you've got to figure out how you're going to refuel it, how you're going to do all these things in advance. You don't want to learn, uh, you know, when you need it. So read you. Like you've said, if you've got a new unit, read your owner's manual. Sounds trite, but it'll help a lot. They look the same, but they're different. Um, And get your fuel in advance. Run it in advance. So run it the day before you need it, right? Same thing with your mower, snow thrower. Run it before you need it. Figure out where you're going to put it. You don't want to try to figure that out at the last minute. Try to keep it dry if you can. Uh, An Indian product does better when it's in a dry area. Store it in a dry area, in a safe area. Um, Make sure you have cords that are long enough to carry the load and keep it a safe distance. I'll say it over and over, Tom. Never, never run them indoors. Never run them in the garage. Never run them on the porch. Keep them a safe distance from the house. And and what about the cords? What's what's the, the best way to do that? I mean, I know you need a heavy gauge cord and you need a lot of length, but... um, is it, is it just uh, an extension cord, or do you need uh, special connectors? The, the heavier the load, the more power you want to carry from the unit to the house, you're going to need a heavier gauge. Remember, you're also going to want an outdoor cord. 
Right. So you don't want to take your indoor cord that you're <laughs> running to the TV outside. Um, so you need an outdoor cord. It has to be a heavy enough gauge to carry the load. Now, the machine will speak to that. So as soon as you look so beyond the box or in your owner's manual, it'll tell you what you need. Um, and it'll speak very directly to it because these are, the, these are where people run into trouble with these things. So you want to make sure the cord is heavy enough. It's an outdoor cord. It's long enough. And remember, as the length increases, um, typically you need a heavier gauge, right, because so, it's going to carry the load a little longer distance. The, the machines all speak to that, and so they'll help you understand it. And you can always go to a manufacturer's website, you know, Google sure. Portable Generators, or see what, who your local dealer or big box carries. And there's a lot of information about those individual units. And it'll speak to what you need, right? Again, if you just want to run the refrigerator and you have a gas stove and some plugs, that's one size. But if you have, like, a, an electric stove, which is a huge draw, right? That's a big draw, like a dryer, like sure. a dryer. If you want to run those, you're going to need a big, big unit. So it'll speak to that. It'll, so you've got to be mindful of that. And you'll hear the load put on the engine. So as you add power draw, you'll hear the engine. Um, and so you want to only draw what the engine's capable of giving you. And the cables, um, getting those into the house, just through a window, a door, and, and uh, you just set those, you just connect those as you need them? Yes. You've, got to, you've obviously got to figure that out, right? You've got to find an ingress-egress where you do them, but you have to bear in mind that you don't want them, if you're cracking a window or door, you don't want that to be near the exhaust or near the unit. So it's just, and it's one of the things you have to bear in mind if you're running a piece of engine equipment. It can't be near an open door or window. Um, turn the unit around, face the exhaust the other direction. Um, those are just critically important. But, yeah, you're going to have to figure out how to get it into the house and um and then uh once once you do that um is it is it is there anything to the the length of uh uh cable other than being able to carry the load um that that you need to know is is there i don't know just uh, yeah it just has to be long enough that it keeps the unit a safe distance from the house Again, that's likely going to be 15, 20 feet. Um, so but 15 feet is if, usually rule But if your egress is, you know, another 20 or 30 feet from the uh, appliances that you're trying to uh, hook up, um, you know, you could be running 50 foot. Is there any loss of power from source to... Uh, some, but not some, but not appreciable, okay. right? It's just um, you really don't get into those situations unless you're carrying lots of load over lots of distance, right? With a portable generator, the typical home portable generator, it's not an issue. You're just going to need adequate cord. You've got to get an outdoor cord from the outside inside, and then inside you're going to obviously need extension cords, um, likely, from whatever it is you're trying to run to that extension cord, to that outdoor extension cord. And do you think it's it's uh, wise in preparation to get those uh, items that you're going to want to keep powered selected and put on some some kind of a, a converter so you can just plug from the converter to the the charger? Well, that's that's certainly an option. Um, but again, you're getting into a more detailed understanding, right? Uh, which is good uh, of what you need. But again, you want to figure out. You have to do that. 
when you buy your unit, because they, they come in all different sizes. I'm going to run these lights and these plugs and this refrigerator, right? Um, and then I'm going to need this size unit, and that's what I buy. Uh, you've got to figure that out in advance. Again, you don't want to sort of experiment with, can I plug this in, can I plug this in? Now, remember, you plug different things in, right? It's, it's simply powering a, a big extension into the house, and you can put different things in those plugs. It just is not going to run everything, unless you have a big, big unit. Right. Um, what do you think is, you know, for for an average home, and I know it's different case to case, but what do you recommend uh, wattage-wise for, you know, the, the house you described, two bedrooms, one bath, uh, 2,000 square feet? Yeah, it's, it's, so there's so many variables, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 watts. Um, a lot of it's going to depend on what, uh, if there's any heavy thing you want to you know, uh, lamps and uh, extension cords and TVs, those are not significant draws, right? Um, bigger things, heating, cooling, cooking, microwave, washer, dryer, those are all big, big things. Um, so if, you're, if you want anything big, you can, you know, you can stay under 10,000. If you want anything bigger, you're going to go north of that. Um, and it, it, it gets up pretty quick. I mean, a, a refrigerator takes a lot of power. So you're going to keep your food fresh. You're going to need a lot more power. And, and, and of course, the, the critical things are, um, you know, climate control, heating, cooling, uh, and, um, and, and food storage, you know, refrigeration. Yes. Um, I, because I'm, I'm trying to think of a, of a situation, Chris, where, you know, power's been out for four days. I'm not really thinking about laundry. Right. Yes, commonsensical. Now, again, I've had a lot of power outages um, after derechos or storms, hurricane, um, where you may be uncomfortable, but it's not life-threatening the temperature. It's not like Michigan, you know, in the winter or Minneapolis, Um, you know, the northern part. So in non-life or death, again, you may be uncomfortable. It may be hot. um, But if, if you really want to run... Um, your heating and cooling systems, where you're in a seriously cold environment that's life or death, I would advise you to look at a standby generator. Um, because a portable generator, remember, you've got to refuel it. So if, 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 as soon as the fuel runs out, it'll shut off. Now, if that happens in the middle of the night and you're in bed, it's going to get cold fast Right. where you right. live. And so you, you just bear all that in mind, is the engine's only going to run as long, like your car, as long as the, as the tank is full. Well, I'll tell you, this is uh, useful information, and now now you've got me wanting to sit right down with my uh, with my owner's manual. <laughs> None of us do it. I mean, I'm I'm the worst offender, and I, you know, I just whether it's a chainsaw or you know, I, I just wing it, which is the wrong thing to do, and inevitably I screw something up. And so <laughs> I, I want to be professional on your radio program to your listeners. Is it really is critically important? Again, they may look very similar. Oh, I had one, or I did this, or yeah, my neighbor has that. Look, there there are a lot of manufacturers, different shapes, sizes, fuel supplies, you name it. Um, you need to be familiar with the unit you have. And so it, it's worth it to take a few minutes and get it right and read about it and learn about it. Um, and so that's, that's good advice, Tom. Read that owner's manual. You won't regret it. 
Yeah, I was when you when you first mentioned that, uh, it, it flashed through my head. Wait a minute, <laughs> we don't read directions, Chris. <laughs> no, right. And I've paid the price. Yeah, exactly. You know, I screwed up equipment. No, that's that's good advice and important uh, an important part of getting prepared is to really understand the equipment you have and and what it can do and what it can't do is probably the more important thing. And, Tom, certainly with emergency stuff, um, portable generators, snow throwers, chainsaws, the kinds of things that get used a lot when there's a problem, right? Limbs down, ice, you know, powers out, snows blocking stuff. You want to check your unit and run the unit before you need it. Check the surroundings, like if you're snow thrower, check. That's not the time you want the unit to find the garden hose or the dog toys, right? Right. Because so, it'll screw up the unit. So what you want to make sure, if you're going to use your portable generator, where am I going to put it? Where's it coming from? Do I have the fuel? Do I have the cores? The snow thrower? Do I have the, the tool, right, to, to dislodge anything that gets in it? Um, know those units, and you remember, never run, never work on anything, any of this stuff. If it's running, just shut it off. Um, but preparation: make sure that you've got a clean air filter. Make sure that the engine has oil. Make sure you got fresh fuel, and you'll be good to go. You know, outdoor power equipment is indestructible if you take care of it. Well, good to know. And Chris, thanks for spending this time with me this morning. I appreciate it. Real pleasure. Anytime. All right. Take care. That was uh, Chris Kaiser. He is the uh, president and CEO of the Outdoor Power Equipment Institute with tips on uh, using uh, uh, portable generators in uh, the case of an emergency. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. comes along that's spreading like a plague and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague. Well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well unless you want to bid our free society farewell. There is a Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docks were busy overseas with World War I. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation, because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised. Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the last until July. A super bad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Over 
Ashland Radio for a new generation. Tom Sumner Program.com. Tom Summer Program.com The Tom Summer Program.com Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. They say singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Number one. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Virtual play dates, social and physical distancing can help save lives. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Tom Sumner program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. If you have a knack for sales and fundraising and would like to become a valued member of a fun team, you could be a good fit for the Tom Sumner program. Help us develop the underwriters needed to continue to grow our brand. Write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com. The Tom Sumner program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. 
Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Dark Rambo's child 
Christmas carols real He said When you were five years old Your name was Greg You left me milk and cookies And a note that said Dear Santa All I really want is a puppy I love him forever And I'll name him Buddy And so you did For 15 years Till Buddy passed away And you cried many tears And you lost your faith Like so many do But I got a little something To tell you that's true The love you Never really goes away And it all comes back on Christmas Day So here's a little something that I want to give to you And Santa handed him a puppy named Buddy Jr.
Christmas to all and to all a good night. that go by fast that wraps it up for today's edition of the tom sumner program one more week until christmas day and uh we'll continue with uh christmas music up through new year's day and our christmas music is better than everybody else's because it's local i hope you enjoyed today's show it was kind of a home improvement version of the show at least the last couple hours before that, we uh, talked a little bit about some holiday shopping tips if you still haven't got your shopping done. Remember, it's just a week away. we got some great shows coming up uh, Christmas Eve. It's all Christmas music. It's a replay of our Thanksgiving show. And then uh, on Friday, on Christmas Day, we're going to talk to a couple of people uh, who passed away this past year but have been on the show before, Mary Higgins Clark and uh, Carl Reiner, plus... Um, constitutional law professor our go-to guy on all things supreme court he and i talk about the passing of uh, ruth bader ginsburg which happened this last year as well uh anyway i want to say thanks to uh, my guests today the home improvement guys um starting with the uh, director of the outdoor power in- uh, equipment institute uh, chris kaiser and uh, before that the uh, co-host of The Money Pit, um, Tom Kreitler, joined us to talk about, uh, he talked about home improvement. Chris Kreisler talked about snowblowers and, uh, more importantly, generators, which we'll be getting into soon. At the beginning of the show, we had some holiday shopping tips from uh, Janet and uh, John Sellers uh, joining us. Um, Let's see, who did we have? Janet, uh, I'll remember, Alvarez. Janet Alvarez and uh, John Sellers. Anyway, time to head on down to the living room for the weekend, but I'll see you Monday. Good night, everybody. The program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. 
Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.